0: Welcome back to Tumor Board with Hilario and Anish. I'm your co-host, Anish. And this is Hilario. Today, we're going to follow up our last episode with a C, hospitalist, and personal finance guru and talk about budgeting. So if you haven't listened to our last episode, I highly recommend you do. We just talk about general principles of personal finance and where to start. But today, we want to follow that up by doing a deep dive In how Hilario and I approach our finances to give practical tips you can use. So to start off, Hilario, when did you start to really pay attention to your finances and budget?
1: Well, it's it's probably like third year of medical school. I was thinking about getting engaged to my dad and girlfriend. And obviously if you're (laughs) gonna get if you're going to get engaged to someone that you know, you better have your stuff together in terms of money. So that's that's when I really started paying attention to how much debt I actually had from student loans and also how much I was getting from like, you know, family and support from other places. So that's when I really kinda did the whole let me put all my assets and liabilities on the paper, right? And it was not pretty. Um, but then that kind of gave me a sense of what I needed to change and what what I needed to do to actually be able to go ahead with getting engaged and also getting married. What about you?
0: Yeah, for me, it started in intern year when I finally started making an income. You know, originally I was putting some things aside just because of the influence of my parents, my my roommate, through my friends but I didn't really actively keep track exactly how much money I'm making and how much I'm spending. I just kind of spent more freely and kind of went out to eat a lot, went out just to do entertainment, money on vacations, et cetera. But then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, I wasn't seeing a lot of my friends. So I just used that time right. and read about budgeting, investing. And then I, then I got really into it because I knew at that point I'm moving to Philadelphia. I'm starting my actual residency where I have to All care, right. like really, really kind of work hard. And I wanted to make sure, and I was looking at places, potential places to live. So I was like, wow, I need to get this in high gear, figure out my finances and kind of how mm-hmm. to budget appropriately so I can live that life and save that money that I want to.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, I mean, that cracks. So like, you know, reading about why people, you know, budget usually has to do with certain things like whether they're making a b- big move, right? Whether career wise, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if they're thinking about not thinking about retirement. Unfortunately, if, if people are already working for many years and, and now deciding to think about their budget and their savings because of retirement, it's usually not a good a good time to be doing that mm-hmm. because you you kind of a little late in the game but it's still better better now than later kind of attitudes that you have to use to approach this. Sometimes when people are thinking about, you know, buying a house, right? They have to figure out whether they can afford the down payment and all that kind of stuff. So that's when people start thinking about about budgeting and then getting married and having kids. Usually some of the life events that make people sit, sit back and, and take an account of all, all their you know, income and expenses and, and the assets and stuff like that. So I think that before we get into, you know, the breakdown of our own budget, we need to do like a recap of the different types of budget that are out there. Mm -hmm. You can start, you can start an issue.
0: Yeah. The first type is called the envelope method. So it's not an exciting method and it does take time, but basically it helps just curb your spending. And I I think historically, it's really based on a time when people just had a lot of cash, you know, weren't, didn't have credit card and there was no real digital banking. But basically, mm-hmm. let's say you start with a thousand dollars and you have 10 envelopes, you have entertainment, groceries, rent, et cetera. And you put in a hundred dollars in each envelope and Once you get to the end of the envelope, that's it. You can't spend any more than that. And if you Mm -hmm. do want to, then you have to realize you're taking money out of another envelope to fill that one. Mm -hmm. And you just can't grow money. You can't make any more money. So that's really all you have. And then once it's empty, you got to wait to the next paycheck to replenish that envelope.
1: Right. So that seems more like a very reactive uh, budgeting where people who already have their finances Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, work, where are trying to kind of, you know, control it. So it it seems like something that can be a very good start to budgeting, but then maybe as you get better at it, you can kind of refine it a little bit more. Would you say that?
0: Yeah, I would say that. I think after you do it a few months, you get a little more routine into what your habits are, how your spending usually is. It'll probably be easier to do.
1: Right, right. So the, the next one is probably a little bit more common than than the envelope method where we hear these financial advisors tell you that, you know, you need to pull 50% of your income towards necessities, 30% of it to wants, the things that are not that necessary, and then 20% to a combination of, you know, savings and debt repayment. And then part of that 20% could also be deciding whether you want that is savings to just be purely cash savings or whether you want to put that towards investing so I personally do some variation of this and we'll get into that the next one is the zero based method it is it is similar to the envelope method but it is a little bit more proactive it's not as reactive as as the envelope method where you are signing a job for every dollar that you're already going to get so you know, you set money each month for grocery bills, vacation, you know, your debt until you reach a zero balance. And this helps you make a more intentional spending plan. It is similar to envelope method, but you're not reacting to your spending being out of, out of control. You just have this proactive to, to how much you spend on your day to day. What was the last one, Anish?
0: Yeah, the last one is called pay yourself first. So this is, quote unquote, a reverse budget. Basically, you contribute to your savings and investments first. Essentially pay yourself, right? And then you allocate mm-hmm. the rest to pay bills and other necessities and, and other wants with whatever is left. So mm-hmm. this method, you can decide how much is set aside for savings, debt repayment, then other expenses. Now, you know, one mm-hmm. way, in like modern days, to make that easier, for example, you might say, Hey, I want to contribute $500 for every paycheck to my retirement account. So your employer will just kind of take it out and put a retirement mm-hmm. account. And then that way you're paying yourself first and you don't even kind of see that money. But right. I think, you know, right. this can be kind of difficult if you're a resident on a resident salary. Especially if you have obligations like kids and things like that, where yeah, you may want to, but if you only have x amount of money, it's tough to spend on the other things,
1: kind of similar to what a c mentioned before it's really like trying to get your budget and muscle active, right so mm-hmm. it is at least in, in med school and in in residency is it's less so how much you can put towards you know any of these strategies and and more. Being in practice and having that sense of uh, you know, saving and, and knowing where your money is going, so that if you needed to make any changes, you can actually easily do that. We can get into the actual breakdown of, of our budget. so and it's what method of budgeting do you use and what kind of tools do you use to keep track of, of all of
0: this? Yeah, I, you know, when I first started to kind of get into budgeting, I downloaded Mint, which is owned by Intuit. It's a pretty popular, very popular app. Yeah, and you link your credit cards or bank accounts, everything's automated. So on one hand, things were really easy, right? Because it says exactly how much is coming out, coming in, what my spending is kind of keeping it all together. But Mm -hmm. it's also very reactive. So though I kind of use that pay yourself first a bit where I did just kind of immediately just put money into my my Roth IRA and whatnot and then you know paid my loans. The rest of it is very reactive. So I wasn't able to really control spending in different categories like restaurants right. and clothes or just other necessities. And I just felt like it just wasn't helping. It was a great tool to put everything together, but it wasn't really helpful for me personally to kind of budget and know and be actively engaged with my finances. But that is one that's popular one. And that's what I started with. There are Mm -hmm. other things like Kilario is going to go into his Excel sheet. And if you don't have, you don't have to use one or you don't have a template, you could find one online. I currently use something called you need a budget also known as YNAB, Y-N-A-B. Yeah, I'm I'm like a super fan of YNAB. I think it's amazing. It can be cumbersome, and it's definitely not for everyone, but it is, it, it's really awesome. So YNAB is kind of a combination of envelope method and zero-based method. And okay. what it is, is it's a platform. There's a mobile app, but there's also like a, 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 a website version so you can use it on your desktop. And you can link your credit cards. You can automate it, which I used to do. And we can get into Mm -hmm. why I now no longer automate it. And instead I manually edit edit everything. But basically you link your, you can put your credit cards and then you make categories for spending and it's very granular. So you are proactive like the zero based method where before the month starts, I categorize everything and I already allocate X amount of money each category so that I know exactly where the money is going, like exactly where it's going. That $100 in my account, I know $20 is going this, $20 is doing that, $20 <laughs> this. And so I've assigned right. a job. And it's like the envelope method where you're assigning money to these categories and if you want to spend more or if you have to or if you end up doing it just out of you know your control, you realize you're using money from something else. So though I may have allocated right. money for restaurants, but I had to spend more on, you know, gifts because now it's like Thanksgiving or whatever. Maybe I'm taking money out of restaurants <laughs> and and putting money Thanksgiving. So it, it, right, it gets right. very granular. So just to kind of give an idea, like I, I have it open right now, um, I've got several different categories. So I have monthly fixed expenses. So, and this is just Mm -hmm. how I categorize it. Everyone will be different. Right. So I got my rent, my utilities, which, you know, vary a little bit, but I, but it's basically the same. Internet, Mm -hmm. my Apple Care, Apple iCloud, I pay for my family, Spotify, you know, Peloton, right? Those are monthly. Those are fixed. I got my monthly variable expenses, dining out, you know, like takeaway food. So, you know, food to go. Gas, mm-hmm. groceries, podcasts. You know, we pay we pay for this platform. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I forgot a budget. Right. And then, you know, et cetera. And then it goes, then I have like a savings short term, which is like activities financed by vacation. I have like an Invisalign, which I'm saving money up for to get Invisalign soon. And I got like Ross okay, so IRA. It's, it's right. Small on, the, I, on
1: the savings so adjust.
0: Really yeah, yeah, more of the savings that. But basically, I know where my money's going, nothing is surprising me anymore, and I can actively track exactly where things are. And I think the cool part is that there's no surprises. So I have a category for "I forgot to budget," but there's no kind of those equipment payments, like car insurance, it's ability insurance, all these things. it will say like, set aside 50 bucks for this you know, every month or whatever until I get to that point. I just take it out and I immediately just spend it and I'm, I'm good. I don't have to worry about where the money's coming from. So that's what I use. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So I I just meant before, and I think I've already told you that it it just, it just seemed like uh, that they got a lot of the things wrong and I have to actually go in there and like recategorize certain things and then I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I can write everything (laughs) down, you know, and on Excel and just kind of keep track that way. So I use a combination of Excel and then multiple bank accounts. So both our salary comes to the joint checking account. We have a joint savings account that has, Mm -hmm. you know, emergency funds go to right. And then also some of our just our just savings for you know, maybe travel or other things also go towards, right? So that goes into that joint mm-hmm. savings. And then each one of us have our own separate check-ins account, all this under the same umbrella, like, you know, Capital One account, right? Where you know, we send out discretionary money too, right? So this is sort of our allowance, how much money we can spend in it every month, right? So that comes to, an account that's separate for me and then separate for my wife, right? And then mm-hmm. and then also at the same time, my you know, my brokerage account and my Roth IRA account are linked to the the joint check-ins, and then that automatically is taken out. So if I get paid, let's say on the first of like March, for example, by the second of March. Everything that is necessary, including savings and retirements and all that kind of stuff, that gets taken out. And then what comes really to me into my own checking account for how much money I can actually spend and I can use it for anything I want, right? So I do a combination of the 50-30 method, but at the same time, also a component of pay yourself first. Where well, like a lot of the necessary things like savings and investing money, is just taken out of, of our bank account before I can even blink and, and everything else that comes after that. You know, I have that freedom knowing that I've already saved for a rainy day and whatever it is I'm spending now is something that I'm actually allowed to spend. Because I believe that, like, you know, we we should be saving, but at the same time, also, we need to live life in the moment because you you never know when when you're going to get hit by a bus and die.
0: So basically, you've got one account, like, I guess, where your direct deposit for your income is going to, then automatically on that day, just like, let's let's say, like $2,000, and then it'll automatically put $1,500 into, like, a savings account and give you each you and Allison like 250 each for spending. Basically it's kind of right. the gist, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. I right. I guess I guess I would say that's that's great. And I I though I don't actually think about the 50 30 20, I know I'm doing that because I also have like my income's coming, then literally I have my income going, part of that going to my you know to my investment account. Then also before I hit my income just like you I also put aside some money, at least for me, I put aside some money to my like my 403B, so I don't see it. But yeah, I I and I have I also have another account. I have my savings account where all my savings, my short-term savings, long-term savings, I just I put it in there. But that for me is a little more manual because I find, and other people might find this too, can be a little difficult sometimes to know exactly how much I can do it. But but regardless, right. I think we we'll both have our different ways, but it works for us, right?
1: Right. I would say that, you know, being able to for the 50-30 didn't just come overnight, right? We had to do other yeah. ways to kind of figure out how, how much we're spending before we can say, okay, this is how much goes to our savings and this is what we can actually do, right? So that 20%, it was good to have the, the number 20%, but we're not necessarily married to, unless say something changing our lives. And and yeah. we have to kind of readjust to to that. Then you know what mm-hmm. we go is that we go and we edit that automatic transfer to to our brokerage and Roth IRAs and stuff like that. We edit that and then make sure that that, that is you know changed to let's say fifteen or if we can afford more, we in you know, that we change to let's say twenty five percent or so. So it's a guide and and also yeah. something that you know we have to like be very stringent about. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So let me ask you, your spending, you know, I, I talked about how mine is like super granular, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I track like exactly what spending, the, what mm-hmm. category that money came out of, but it seems like you have this this discretionary fund and everything just going to come out of that category, that kind of fund, so to speak, and it may not be as granular, which is totally fine and it works for you, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to clarify that. So on the Excel
1: sheet, I have a, a more granular, like, breakdown of okay. everything. So the only thing that needs to be taken out is, you know, so we take out what is going towards our brokerage investment, right, and our Roth IRA. And mm-hmm. so that goes goes to an external account where we do our investments, right? And then the savings, what, what we have towards our emergency fund also goes are from the 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 direct deposit account right to that savings account right and then right then our discretionary stuff just comes to our each separate checking account right and yeah, then okay. everything else like like groceries, mortgage, our utilities mm-hmm. internet and spotify student loans, dog food gas, auto insurance, phone bill, and auto loan and all that kind of stuff, that comes out of that, you know, joint checking account where our direct deposit came to. So that money that we know that is accounted for, so it's not like, you know, just sitting there willingly, it's accounted for, right. but we do have a whole breakdown there, of huh? each each one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, Okay. But it, and it seems to work because now it's more, almost like automatic. We don't, I don't even think about it, right? You don't think about it. You know, it, because really? I know, right. Because I know that the debit card that I have is, has exactly how much I can spend. And then once I, once, once I <laughs> spend that money, I can't use that debit card anymore. So yeah. that's, that's one way to uh, approach, it, approach it.
0: That makes sense. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you use a debit card and it has a much that, that makes sense, you just can't spend it and it's over. Yeah. Right, right, right. So the next question, so what what kind of student loans
1: do you have and and are you making any payments currently?
0: Yeah, I have one private loan and then public loan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay. long story why I ended up taking this private loan. And, you know, again, I just wasn't so informed back in the day but it's (laughs) not a terrible loan and it's not a bad loan you know my my school offered it is a subsidized loan and Mm -hmm. accumulation interest doesn't start until four years after you graduate and if i pay it off before then i don't have you know what then i don't have any more balance but i do have those two loans you know the public loan would you know, the whole COVID changes, which, you know, no one could predict, you could make mm-hmm. a zero payment and that'll count as a payment that might end later mm-hmm. this year is what it looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, I do have, I do have those, those loans and I am mm-hmm. actively paying off my private loan because I have to, because that's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no zero payment for that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but it's not it's it's not it's not terrible you know i i think the whole loan topic is like it's own episode in of itself pros right. and cons i think when initially you know i just didn't i didn't know what field i was going into i i had no idea about really anything and mm-hmm. but yeah i do have to kind of actively kind of budget away for that
1: right yeah so i do have private and federal loans right When I started college, I was actually still an international student. So the only type of student loans that are available to me were all private student loans. I have refinanced it because there were better rates from when I initially got it. So I refinanced it with SoFi when like interest was that cheap. And so now Mm -hmm. I have a very good rate on it. They realize that you are a medical student or you are you know, a resident, so you don't make as much money. So they, they cap your payments while you're training to a certain amount. So I think I pay something mm-hmm. like a hundred dollars every month for that. And then the federal loans, like you mentioned, during COVID, they put a moratorium on it where we, we don't make any actual payments on it. And that actually kind of gave a little flexibility during the yeah. during during the pandemic to be able to shift that towards like you know, investing a little bit more or saving a little bit more money mm-hmm. on the site. So that, that was a, that was a, that was a good thing, Alice, for me. And so, you know, that having a sense of that, of, of what kind of loans that you have and the interest on them, the reason why I asked is because the interest on them vary depending on where you got them and also what, what agency holds them in terms of federal loans. Versus like private loans. And then there's also certain protections that you get with, you know, federal loans versus a private loan. An example being the fact that, you know, for federal loans doing a financial difficulty during COVID, they stopped payments and private loans didn't do that.
0: Incredible. Honestly, that... incredible. <laughs>
1: right. So now we can talk about investing. So we mentioned how we break down our budget. How much are you saving in your bank account and how much are you actually investing?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I the way I, I kind of look at it is I, wanna, I want to maximize some form of retirement mm-hmm. account. So I put in 500 a month. I guess now I have to do more because the the max Roth IRA contribution is now 6,500 for the year instead of 6,000. Right. So right. I'll have to. Increase that a little bit, but I want to fill that out. And you know, I think we make and and just for transparency's sake, and you can find this online. I think our salary this year is like seventy three thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you know, pre pre tax, right? So mm-hmm. out of our gross salary, I mean that itself is what well, like a nine percent or so mm-hmm. in total. And then I do put money in. My my 403B, and I actually they offer a Roth 403B, so that is right. after tax income that they'll take away from my paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I have talked about that, but I think those are my main investments. And one of the reasons I wanted to use my Roth 403B is though they're not matching, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I if I see to my account. I think of it as this like flexibility type spend and Mm. I don't want to do, and I want to force myself to say, but I'm just not disciplined enough currently to, to make that change. So I prefer though potentially my return long-term will be less than maybe if I manage on my own, you know, I just don't want to see it right now. Mm. And so I try to max that as much as I, as much as I can. So I'm not maxing my 401 review by any means, you know, that would require yeah, a substantial like 20, amount of money there. 20, 20 yeah. <laughs> right. And if you do like a post tax, you know, that's like, you know, what, 30,000, something like that, that mm-hmm. you'd actually from your income. So I'm obviously not maxing that amount out, but I haven't done a calculation, but I, I basically have uh, increased that to the best of my ability. So my mm-hmm. other savings in terms of just kind of short-term savings or rather long-term savings like house down payment and things, it's it's less than other people because i made the decision once I become an attendant because I'm just not looking for house right now and I anticipate renting maybe for my first year of the future, I will really start to save for that kind of down payment later on. So Mm -hmm. I kind of focus on my retirement account. Then I do have a little bit of money in my taxable account. Really, not much right now, but that's just kind of for fun investing. Hopefully, I will, you know, make some good moves. Historically, it's been questionable, but that's Mm -hmm. why I kind of max my my retirement accounts first. And then I have my kind of short term spend savings, like, you know, my insurance payments coming through, things like that. But I try to do most of my savings to my retirement account. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I think
1: for us, it's probably right now somewhere around 40, 60, 40% Mm -hmm. of that is just, you know, building an emergency fund in our savings account. You know, like you said, we have a 403 at our institution. It's a retirement account, but it's not much. So a little bit of the money, about $100 a month goes to that account. And then I try to, the rest of it, I try to really like max out, you know, my wife and, and I, our Roth IRA, because, mm-hmm. you know, a Roth IRA is a tax advantage count, right? Meaning that, you know, we're paying the taxes now. And then potentially when I'm an attending where my tax rate has gone up, any gains that I make on that money won't be taxed again. Maybe we should do a recap of like what the different accounts are. So there is, In terms of investment vehicles, right? The big ones is that you have your retirement accounts and then you have your, just your, you know, a regular old brokerage, which is usually not tax advantage accounts, right? And that retirement accounts, right? You can get a retirement account through your workplace. And then as an individual outside of your workplace, you can also have other type of retirement account. In your workplace, there are several different types of accounts. Some of you have had. A 401k, 403B, you can approach contributing to those accounts either paying the taxes already before you put that money into the account, or you 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 wait till after you you take out that investment to pay the taxes. Off. So if you're doing a Roth 403B or Roth 401k, for example, mm-hmm. it means that you you already contributing to that retirement account after you paid your taxes on that money. And that means that at a later time when that money grows, potentially, let's say 20 years down the line, when you take the whole money, your, your principal that you put in and the gains on it, you're not going to be taxed again. So that's the advantage yeah. of that. There is the regular, you know, you know 403B or 401K, where you do not pay the taxes now. So you can actually do that that contribution from your taxes where you don't pay your taxes now. So you just contribute to the uh, to that account. And then when, say, 20 years down the line, and when you take that money out, then you pay the taxes. So you have to figure out whether in the future you're going to be in a bigger tax bracket or whether you're going to be in a lower tax bracket to decide which one is Good for you. So those are workplace-related type of retirement accounts. As an individual, outside of your workplace, you can have an IRA, and an IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. And if you make any income, if you make any income, you can contribute. I think uh, if you're less than 50 years, 6500 annually. And if you're more than 50 years or so, you, you know, the increase that a little bit to, I think it's 7,000 or 7,500. Again, you can do that as a Roth or you can just do that as a regular IRA where you're not paying the taxes until later on. So, what we're seeing is that right now we're doing our Roth IRA first, which is the 6,500. Mm-hmm. And then we're putting a little bit of a Roth three b Yeah. Well, if you can afford it. Now, if say your workplace matches your contributions to your 403B, then you probably want to flip it around where you're contributing first to your workplace 403B or 401k, because it means that if I put six thousand dollars in that account, then my workplace is going to put another six thousand to it. So automatically yeah. you're getting doubling that contribution. So that's why some people sometimes would say. You should, you should contribute to your 401k or your 403b first. But in our case, where we're residents, we don't get a match because we're not really members of the staff in the hospital So for some reason. So we don't get that match. I think there are some places where they get a match, but we don't. So in, those, in that case, we just I just opt to kind of put that money in the Roth IRA and just like Nish, you also do the same. So that was just mm-hmm. a little recap mm-hmm. because sometimes I know these vehicles can be very confusing. If you're confused, still confused, just Google different types of retirement accounts and investment and, you know, there's very good articles out there that can that can help. Now we can talk about adapting your budget. So any has there been a situation where like, you know, the budget that you have right now, you have to like scrap it or you have to like make big changes to it so that you so that you can you, you can afford something or you you can, you can do something that needs to be done
0: definitely i mean i think we all kind of kind of have that right big think, think life happens and uh, you know you, you end up needing to need to adapt you know i would say in terms of like my regular income that's been very stable you know you can find it they have a little bit of a raise every year but i think There's a few things. One, there was not a change in financial situation. I didn't count on expected expenses that were infrequent, like my disability insurance. It's like $1,400 once a year. You can do it monthly, but you end up paying, like the total comes out more, where I have a few different payment plans. And if I had done Mm -hmm. that, I would have remembered, but I was like, no, I want to save money, which is smart decision. But then I just like didn't realize all of a sudden I had fourteen hundred dollars taken out of my bank account,
1: <laughs> right?
0: And I I needed I needed unfortunately to tap into my emergency fund for that, right? And other like car insurance is like twice a month, right? So even though those are expected, if you're not expecting it, they can actually be pretty big, especially one mm-hmm. kind of income that you know we have. Mm-hmm. I thankfully have not like lost my job, but I I have had car issues happen so for example my my power steering stopped working and i found myself like on the road i was making a turn luckily there was like at night and there was like no one there but it was pretty could have been pretty dangerous and though my Uh warranty did cover part of it it didn't cover everything so i had to pay that luckily you know i didn't have enough Money that I wanted to pay for it, so I did have to make changes, but I was able to kind of make that change. I will mm-hmm. say there was, you know, I mean, personal life changes happen too. For example, I went through a breakup, and you know, after that, honestly, my budgeting really declined <laughs> drastically, and I wasn't really paying attention. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I ended up doing like buyer's therapy where I just kind of spend money on kind of frivolous items that someone regret purchasing and uh, you know luckily the the habits of forming a budget and saving I still had them Mm -hmm. so I didn't spend all the money I had I did save some Mm -hmm. but I did end Mm up buying like you know, brand name clothes that I just, like, will never wear. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, but, Like, right. They're just expensive items that are just, like, way too much. And I think what happens when kind of personal changes happen, it just kind of takes a hit. It kind of falls bridge. Mm-hmm. And then, at least for me, what ended up happening was I kind of got in a better mental state again. I read Psychology of Money, which really kind of put that kind of stuff in high gear again and then i kind of retooled my budget i stopped using you need a budget for a while and it just kind of went to free fall mode so then i restarted right. and it's now kind of back on track and also things changed like i started dating again and Man, dating is a huge expense, man. Like, so I'm like, my, like, monthly expenses were very different than it was. And then I was like, man, I got to mm-hmm. allocate money for restaurants, diet, right. activities, right. and all right. this stuff that I just, like, wasn't doing. So, right. So things do change, and you do have to adapt. And it's tough. It's tough to adapt. And I kind of had to make some serious, like, cuts. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. putting in as much money in my vacation fund. And I, I like to go on like a trip and things like that. And I kind of had to allocate all that to, to dating. Mm-hmm. But so, right, right. so things to have. <laughs> fit, fit. Yeah. So definitely your
1: budget in life is just more eventful than mine. I think that has to do more to do with the fact that you, you're a single gentleman, you know, and you're dating and you have, you know, other things that are happening, you know. I'm glad we're doing it's more, now.
0: It's more stable now. You know, now I'm back in a relationship. So I'm not, I'm like, oh, well, right. I could budget more regularly and anticipate more. Right.
1: <laughs> right, right. But, but similar to you, you know, there's been times where, you know, I have to, you know, make changes to our budget because, because of cash flow, not because of something that we can't afford. So sometimes we have expected expenses like you mentioned, but it's really a cash flow thing where like it gets taken out every six months or every year. Yeah. And sometimes you have to kind of like make sure that you have a, you know, you have a handle on it so that you're not caught by surprise when, when that happens. So those, in those instances, you know, I have to like shift things around to make up for that mm-hmm. big chunk of expense, like, you know, Paying all like car insurance or like even paying off my property taxes, for example, sometimes can, you know, cost that, that big chunk of money being taken out of our account. You know, there's definitely a time where I've had emergency, like a car emergency or something like that. Where, you know, I've had to <laughs> now,
0: right. You've had, had, had to a now, it, couple, couple of those emergencies. <laughs> right,
1: right. But, you know. That, that's why it's important to kind of have a sort of like an emergency fund because the emergency fund have come in clutch when, when you need them, right? But in the past when I didn't have an emergency fund, that means that I have to now figure out, you know, how much I can actually spend on my groceries, how much I can actually spend on things that I, I, I wouldn't necessarily classify as necessities, right? But yeah, so that's why it pays to really have an emergency fund as well. So how often do you come back and say, yeah, I want to review my, my budget and like, you know, because like everything's going so well. And I'll say personally, I probably do that maybe once a year. If I know my salary is going to change and kind of shift things around. But how often do you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think before I was doing it like once a month and then things fell apart and I'm kind of doing it again, I would say. And I think it's because of how I budget, like using something like YNAB where it's really just like very granular. I, though I'm, I've set kind of my monthly spend categories and whatnot already, and that's been pretty stable. I end up Mm -hmm. using, because I'm just using that software and tracking everything, I do pretty frequently. So I kind of set Mm -hmm. aside time once a week to go back to go into all my credit card statements, I pull it together and just kind of put everything in so that I know mm-hmm. my, you know, know my expenses. But then once we got a little burdensome, so now I'm doing it once to two weeks, right? But it's it's fine because okay. I think you know I'll get it'll just naturally for me. Like I already know I need to do that, and then I'll get to it at some point mm-hmm. and I'll do it. I don't think I'm changing my overall budget necessarily, but I do think there are some things change like. You know, I want to buy a couple of gifts for people later. And so I do try and make changes now so that I, I don't have to make big changes later. But, you know, I think that's just the end of what's happening when you're on a little bit of a tight budget. If I was a little more loose, mm-hmm. maybe I put less money in my Roth 403B, I wouldn't have as mm-hmm. much of like a problem. But right. because I really try to kind of go on the edge, I end up needing to check and We'll
1: right, to be more free. right <laughs> like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what what are, what so now we probably transition to what our long term budgeting plans are and what our goals are mm-hmm. um you know obviously we're with p g y four right we'll be p g y five in a little bit, and uh, you know we'll be transitioning to you know attending mode right so what what are specific goals of budgeting do you see for yourself as you transition from residency to you know being an attendant? Is there anything that like, you know, you're looking forward to or anything things that you feel <laughs> like you have to kind of get get on top of to be able to, you know, to survive being an attendant?
0: Yeah, I think one thing I'm looking forward to is not having, again, like this razor thin margin where like every cent is like so important. So I think just that, like, comfort, flexibility. I do mm-hmm. plan on, quote-unquote, living like a resident. Definitely upping my okay. lifestyle a little bit. But yeah. not where it's, like, you know, unreasonable. Right. I think, you know, my my big things are I do want to save money. And I, I do have to actively do a pretty large amount for perhaps, like, a house down payment in the future. You know, perhaps, mm-hmm. like, now... You know, sending us aside money for wedding stuff if you know things things are going well, so probably something I'll have to do. So something like that, and I think just having, you know, I don't ha- I don't have so many things I want to spend on, but just having some money to travel when I do travel, I think right now it's always like I can only spend like X amounts, so Maybe having a little more flexibility right, right. on that vacation mm. budget would be nice. So I think really mm. those are. Those are, those are the things. Yeah. How about, gotcha. how about you? Yeah. A goal
1: that I have for myself is that I want to pay off my, at least my private student loans of within three to four years after I finish, you know, residency. And then depending on whether I get a, you know, a job, a nonprofit job, or like working for a hospital like, especially if it's academics and stuff that. You yeah. know, if maybe I could continue to do the PSLF, right, and get get the rest of it forgiven after, you know, five years as an attendant because I would have had five years as a resident the
0: where resident. I did PSLF,
1: right? Yeah, so depending on what that looks like, I'm hoping that my student loans will be gone five years after I become a, an attendant. So that means mm-hmm. that I have to really, you know, make sure that I'm budgeting appropriately for, for that. You know, some of the things that right now my wife and I are not able to really budget so much for is like travel. We like to travel. And right now, you know, it's not really in the budget to really have a reasonable travel ba- budget for, for ourselves. So that would be yeah. something nice to be able to budget for. And, uh, you know, your family members and my parents that I want to support a little bit better than... I am able to, you know, family that I have in Ghana that I want to be able to support. That I mm-hmm. can't really do that right now. So th- those are some aspirations when it comes to money in terms of uh, what's, what's ahead of me. In-
0: yeah, I yeah, I guess I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I want to support my parents as well, and at some point I want to sort of family. So I really need to put boy. Put money aside because I I don't have right. any money for that,
1: right? <laughs> right, 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 dude. Believe it or not, I I put away hundred dollars for a potential kid every month. Hundred dollars, right? Crazy. I mean,
0: like that's yeah. You're at least doing something. You can buy that right. you can buy that right. right. crib for sure. Car seat, <laughs> think Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Hundred dollars a month. Well, 1200 a year, that 1200 a year alone is going to be like one month of like daycare or whatever is what I'm, what I'm told.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but at least you could pay the first month, right? You don't have to wait. The first, 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 first month, yeah. 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 Okay.
1: So in terms of about financial independence, you know, we had a little bit of that conversation with AC in, in, in yeah. the previous episode. What, what... What do you think your budgeting comes in relation to why you want to retire?
0: Yeah, I I probably should have mentioned this also by long-term aspiration. By, you know, like we talked about the AC, the, the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. I don't really want to retire per se, but I want flexibility. I want to be able to operate in some capacity, have some more autonomy, maybe some more of my own schedule. my girlfriend works remotely and there are some cons to that for sure like lack of kind of social connection with people but Mm -hmm. there are some serious pros and being able to have at least some days where I can you know be at home if I have a family kind of spend time with that be able Mm -hmm. to do that and kind of all that and also I, I have interests outside of being a clinician that I want to pursue and I want to be able to be able to take kind of take that financial risk and that mm-hmm. kind of lower income to do just for my own happiness and mm-hmm. my kind of age i want to stop being a clinician is 50 and that means that i really have to have a high savings rate especially when accounting mm-hmm. for potential mm-hmm. kids in my life then i know i might have to take you know sacrifices i I can't go to like a Broadway show, you know often I like Broadway show like concerts. I enjoy concerts, you know right, and right, then right. maybe I can't go to like expensive ones, but regardless mm-hmm. i I think fifty for me is really my goal i'm thirty one now I'll be attending at thirty two
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: ideally it's like forty five but I think that's like kind of stretching because I do have to pay off my loans and other stuff right. so <laughs> But I I think 50 is a goal with the understanding that, you know, I might have to be flexible on that, but that really is like my goal. If I'm not, if I'm a full-time clinician at 50, I did something wrong is like how I'm looking at it as part-time is fun, but part-time is fun, Mm -hmm. but full-time, full-time. Right. 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 Yeah. I think that,
1: yes, it will be great to have some kind of, independence in terms of what, when you want to work and all that kind of stuff. You know, like I mentioned, like I, I do have family in Ghana and at some point I see being able to travel back and forth. And I think maybe like in my head, I have a soft goal of like 55 where I can yeah. like maybe work in some capacity, not as as much as I, I would be if I'm an attendant at 32, right? I don't yeah. necessarily see see myself wanting to work myself to the ground so I'm like 65 <laughs> or whatever there's no way I want to convince myself of that so but you know saying that is easy but it means that you have to really plan properly right and and be able to afford as some form of lifestyle you know at that point when you want to have that kind of independence right That would mean that you have to really train yourself, you know, not to have a certain type of lifestyle because if you have a lifestyle creep and let's say on on, on average, you're living on 200K a year, it means that when you retire, you're more likely going to live on 200K. So you have to be able to afford that versus say if you live on less than, let's say, you know, 80K a year or like, you know, 90K a year or 100K a year, right? your retirement and how much you can stretch out your your finances will look different. So, you know, this is things that I think about and and I don't have any definite plans because it's 20 years from now, but I, I in, in terms yeah. of like what what I want to do, I, I definitely want to be able to have that ability to to decide what when I can get up and go somewhere. Yeah. So this seemed like a, a very good point to You know wrap up our conversation we talked about the different types of budgeting that are out there we discussed what our approach is to budgeting and some of the goals that we have and really adapting our budget to different phases in life like emergencies so if you have any questions about budgeting like you know we in our show notes from last time we put ac's uh, youtube channel and also you can comment on our YouTube channel or reach out to us. We'll leave our email in the show notes as well, so you can reach out to us if you have any questions about you know some of the things that we did on our way from let's say medical school to residency at some point we could also talk about what is you know a good idea to rent versus what want to actually buy your home. I made a decision to buy my home, but at the time it made sense, so that's that's probably like a a whole podcast conversation that we can have at some point, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I just want to stress to people listening, you know, it takes time to really formulate a budget, mm-hmm. what works for you, how many bank accounts you want, how to allocate. It'll take some months to do, so don't get stressed if it takes a while. And mm-hmm. you'll learn that you'll have to adapt as things change. And I would actually encourage, you know, we talked before about automating, automating certain things that coming out of your bank account, I encourage you to do that. And I actually Mm -hmm. think for me, I think one thing you can think about is just manually going through all your accounts and putting it in whatever spreadsheet or platform you use. Because I think just doing it manually makes you really understand how much money you have, where it's going, instead of just relying on a third-party service. I think we had a really good discussion about budgeting and uh, I'd encourage everyone to uh, at least start thinking about things now and seeing uh, seeing see what to do.
1: So before you go, any TV show or book that you're reading that you care to share with us?
0: Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I finished reading Psychology of Money and honestly, I'd encourage everyone to read it I think the the book is great, really just talks about saving, budgeting, but really the mindset of what to do, not necessarily how to do, but the mindset and kind of getting into (laughs) that practice to build that habit. It's a really great book. It's a short read. It did take me a little while, but it's actually a short read. I do think it'll be useful for everyone. So check it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Is it James Clear, right? It's a very popular book. No,
0: that's... uh, is it, is it so, James? Oh, that's Morgan Housel.
1: Morgan House. Uh, Morgan Housel. Housel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm yeah, also yeah.
0: I'm also reading really habits, but I didn't mention Atomic so habits. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's James Clear. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not reading a
1: book currently, but I was saying the new season of Mandalorian came out, so that's what I've been watching. Oh, uh, I, I
0: forgot, forgot about it. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. This it's only like two episodes out, but. It was nice to have it come by because I was running out of TV shows to watch. So, listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We'll see you guys next time. And bye.
0: See ya.